on the phone with us right now. We have my good friend, Deb Greenwood. Deb, are you there? I am, Rob. How are you today? Oh, I am doing great. It's so good to hear your voice. So uh, for our listeners here, you're listening to WPKN here on 89.5 FM, WPKN.org. We're on the phone with Deb Greenwood. Now, I have produced and performed at many of the galas and events that have helped the Center for Family Justice right here in Bridgeport raise funds over the past 10 years. And Deb and I, over that time, we become close. And I've, you know, I've, I would tell you that I have worked with probably two dozen local nonprofits here in Connecticut over the past 15 years with Band Central. And Deb Greenwood and the team that she has at the Center for Family Justice are super capable. And they're really at the top of the pack when it comes to, to getting things done and having an impact in our community. Um, prior to joining the Center for Family Justice about 14 years ago, Deb was the CEO at various YMCAs in the region. So what that gave her was this extensive experience at all the aspects of running a business, developing programs, and serving the community. Now, today is is not just another interview, because... We've got a situation where domestic and sexual violence has increased during this pandemic. And we really want to dig in and discuss, you know, what Center for Family Justice is doing to help families in our community in dire need. So, Deb, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into that topic. How did you become the president and CEO of Center for Family Justice? Hi, Rob. Well, thank you. Um, You know, having a, a great career uh, in many YMCA's, I also had the privilege to um, work with the YMCA of the USA uh, nationally, and we worked with um, people that had a variety. In my area of expertise was with folks that had disabilities, but running YMCA's, you know, you, you met a lot of a lot of men, a lot of women, a lot of kids, and one of the things that I found so passionate about the work, uh, whether it was nationally or our own local YMCA's, was people like to talk about what was going on in their celebratory lives, whether it was um, a, a child's birthday or their birthday or an anniversary. But we would hear a variety of things, whether it was a camp before and after school. And sometimes it wasn't always positive, um, mm. how it affected uh, the, the children, how it affected themselves. And I, believe it or not, got to hear and learn a lot more about families that were being affected by abuse while I was working at YMCA's. Mm-hmm. So um, at the time, um, our agency is very old. Uh, it, it's been serving the greater Bridgeport community for 125 years this year. And so it was a great resource for individuals like myself that needed to learn and be educated. So understanding that it was important that kids that might be acting out or a parent that might have an issue that was able to feel that they could confide in the executive director or the program director, that we learned more about um, what abuse looked like and how to help families, adults and children um, and teens. So after a good career, um, I realized that there might be an opportunity when the opening presented itself to interview for the executive director's position, then being called the Center for Women and Families. Yeah. And 
and and the rest became history. I uh, wanted to come back home, and what that meant was I wanted to get back into my community where I raised my children, where I lived, where I worked. I wanted to really put my efforts instead of you know, getting on planes, trains, and automobiles and going all around the country, I really wanted to stay in my community. And I was fortunate enough and very humbled to this day to be named the um, the CEO and president of then the Center for Women and Families. And from that that point on, um, the question that always came running a national organization was, what's the best way to serve your, your members or your clients or your constituents. And um, we asked the question, what's the best way to serve victims of abuse? And we found the model of bringing co-located programs and services under one roof. Found this model out in California, and we brought the first Family Justice Center to Connecticut after um, uh, a lot of transformation, construction, and fundraising, and a lot of help from, from you, Rob, with the work that you were doing with Band Central. Um, having events, uh, raising funds, and we became the Center for Family Justice in 2016. Right. Now, obviously, happy spring. We have a change of seasons right here. And, uh, you know, hope is on the way as far as, uh, you know, starting to be able to open up from the end of the pandemic. But tell us a little bit about what has happened to domestic violence in our community during the pandemic. So the pandemic has not been kind to anyone that has been sheltering at home. If you can only imagine, home is supposed to always be your safe place. Home is supposed to be your happy place. You know, that we all have jobs that we um, or go wherever we go. And when we come home, that's supposed to be your warm and welcoming place. And because of COVID, uh, 99.9% of us all had to become remote and, and work from home. So that alone was quite a change. Kids uh, having to do schoolwork from home. But imagine your home is not a happy place. It is a violent place. It is uh, an unsettling place. So what we've, we've found, um, it got very quiet in March, where we, the clients we had been working with really went dark. Um, we obviously had our clients that we were reaching out to. We were able to uh, let people know we were still going to work with them via phone, texting, laptops, whatever mm-hmm. modality we could. But what we started to see by the time we got to mid-April and May of last year uh, is something that we've been calling the second pandemic. The percentages are, are staggering. Um, we serve normally about 4,000 to 4,200 individuals just in the greater Bridgeport area every single year. What we've seen now is in our shelters, a 51% spike in need for safe houses. People needed to get out of that, that home environment, whether it's their apartment, their condominium, their house, whatever it was, it became dangerous. Well, Deb, uh, it, Deb that, by the way, that also give, triggers me that I want to remember to ask you to talk about um, the new safe house that the Center for Family Justice is building. It's called the Empower House. And uh, and I'm, I'm really proud to be part of the, we call it the construction crew committee that's been strategizing and helping make this thing real. But tell everybody where we are in that process and, and what this is going to mean for the community, having a new safe house with all these uh, amenities for, for people. Yes, yeah, so... 
just before COVID hit, we already had started talking about this. And, and, and Rob, you've been such an integral part of us talking about finding that right place. And we did. We found a larger home. We found a house that can take people out of the hotels they're currently staying in. The safe house 22 years ago that we currently have was, was good then. But the rooms were too small right now. Families uh, that have or a parent coming in that has more than one or two children cannot all stay in the same room. The new Empower House, the bedrooms are twice the size we currently have. They also have counseling rooms right in the house. And, and under that same roof, we have a meditation room. We have a computer learning lab. We'll have Deb, Deb, we got to we got to name it the Rob and Monroe Freed Meditation Room. There we okay. go. There we okay. go. Okay, but just we just just saying that. that. <laughs> the Rob Freed Meditation and Wellness Room. No, I got to get wow. my I got to get my wife's name in there too, though. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, hey, where can you can you tell us where it is? So you know, so just so people can kind of visualize what you're talking about. So I can't give you the exact address and location because as you can only imagine a safe house has to have a confidential location but what i can tell you is it's in the greater birchport area and it it is a beautiful warm welcoming house that has also space eventually for even a safe kennel that is a very valid reason for not answering my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's okay. That's okay because it's close to transportation. It's close to our main headquarters. But it's close to everything someone needs where they will feel safe in a beautiful neighborhood and in a very welcoming and warm uh, environment. Now, one of my guests here, uh, Stephanie, I happen to know is a dog lover. Now, tell us, just, just, I happen to know the answer to this question, but tell us about how this new safe house is actually going to be pet friendly. Yes. So when we were looking at, again, talking to folks, why, why the question you always will hear is, why didn't she or he just leave? And, you know, there's many reasons, as we know. Um, how, will, how will I live? How will my children live? But a big barrier for a victim of abuse, men and women, is not leaving their pet behind because the abuser so many times, most of the time, will threaten to hurt the pet and abuse the pet if you leave. It's a manipulation that abusers use. This site will allow the individual to bring the dog or cat and have, not in the house, but right on the property, because our shelters that take in our pets can only really keep them for a day or two That in, in, in the entire state of Connecticut. Um, and we did our homework on that. So many times my staff will take the pet if someone's in a very dangerous place or they'll give their pet to a friend and they may not ever see the pet again because uh, obviously it's not being cared for because that pet is family to each one of us. Yeah, um, yeah. I was so going to say, right as you were, right, oh, go ahead, finish, Deb, go ahead. Sorry. So, you know, just to say, you know, we, we know that our wonderful fur babies are, are like our children. So they'll have the ability to have a safe kennel right on the property with them. Right as you were describing that, I was watching Steve and Stephanie both, like, take a deep breath and smile and go, oh, man, that is so great. Like, it's something you don't think about what you said about the mm-hmm. – Im- 
using the pet as blackmail in a sense. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. but so as we wrap up here, um, this Friday night, the 26th is the 125th Jubilee gala virtual 125 years right here in Bridgeport, um, of the center for family justice. Tell us a little bit about, uh, the gala and, and how people can, uh, check it out. Yes, so we're celebrating all the past board presidents of the board of directors from the YWCA in 1895 to the Center for Women and Families in 1997 to the Center for Family Justice since 2016. And we will be announcing and talking about the Empower House project as well. You'll be actually able to see and hear Rob. Uh, free and meet our honorary chairs, um, Alan and Patty Masaryk, and our board chair, Kathy Mayolo. And you'll watch some videos about what a reenactment is, why someone has to leave the safe house. If someone would like to get a ticket, uh, they, we still have plenty of room. It is virtual. You'll get a special link. You can go to the Center for org to purchase this ticket, or you can just pick the phone up and call our development office at 203-334-6154. So people can watch this right on, like, Facebook Live. It's What is it going to be, about 45 minutes total? Exactly. So not It'll too long that you could be cutting your vegetables. Steve, you could be making your Friday night pizza, sipping a little yeah. wine, and, uh, and check this thing out. So, um, Deb, you know, thank you so much. Um, for, for all you do, for your passion, and, and for joining us here on the radio to talk about this really important cause. Well, Rob, thank you for all you do to help not just the Center for Family Justice, but so many nonprofits that are really going to need the support um, as we move, hopefully, out of this pandemic and, and need the support that you provide. Thank you for getting uh, public awareness out there and helping anyone that might need support from the Center for Family Justice. Everything we do is free, and it's confidential. Thank you. Oh, fantastic, Deb. Well, thank you very much. We're going to uh, play a little music here uh, just to let you take in what Deb just said, and uh, we'll be back in a moment. Thank you. Wow, what a show. Deb Greenwood, something else, huh? Inspirational stuff from from, uh, Center for Family Justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't believe 125 years. Isn't that remarkable? That is. Good for them. 